0: To the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, thank you, worship team, and, and thank you, Tim, for that prayer. Uh, Lord, give us a mindset for you. Um, I'm so stoked to be here. Uh, I was out of the country for a, a week. Uh, And it just so happens it was from Sunday to Sunday, so I missed uh, the Mission Redlands for two Sundays, and it's been a while since that's happened, and I I truly just missed being here with you guys, because there's something about the body of believers uh, that just, it gives me the presence of God in a way that I can't experience on my own. That's why we get together. Um, You know, um, I was visiting London, that's where I was this past week, and it's funny because um, this isn't my first time in London, but in a lot of senses, it did feel like my first time. Um, back in 97 and 98, 1997 and 98, I went two years in a row to London. And I went two years in a row to London in 97 and 98 for the dorkiest reason of all. It wasn't to explore London. It was for a speed reading competition. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, uh, you know, and I've promised myself, it, I mean, Jason, every once in a while, he's been really good at keeping it secret, but every once in a while, Pastor Jason makes fun of me for that. Um, so now, I, now I'm really screwed because I just shared it with everyone. Uh, yes, I went to a speed reading competition in 97 and 98. Mm-hmm. That's what I did in 1997 and 98. I, I did well, you know, <laughs> but that's another story. I, that's, that doesn't help my nerdiness, right? Yes, I did well in the speed reading competition. Um, but I didn't get to explore London in its fullest. I mean, I remember seeing the Big Ben, Parliament, um, and just walking around central London and doing a lot of things, you know, taking the subways, mind the gap, all that good stuff. Um, and, uh, and still... Uh, I just felt like I hadn't explored it a lot. Um, And so I went back, Uh, my wife and I decided to go uh, back last week, And, and, and I do remember as I was there, like, oh yeah, I was here, I do remember this. And it's just so crazy how forgetful we are. And this applies to all aspects of our lives, but especially our spiritual life. Uh, In general, I've always always been a forgetful person. There was this character in Sesame Street in the 80s called Forgetful Jones. I don't know. I I might have dated myself quite a bit there. (laughs) But there was this character in Sesame Street uh, uh, that was called Forgetful Jones. And my mom would always call me Forgetful Jones because I was always zoned out and forgetting things. And and I'm really, to this day, I'm very zoned out. Like a person is speaking to me and I'm saying, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I'm, I'm, they ask me what I just said. And, I, you know, my wife, is, she's really an expert at doing this. Uh, she, she notices how my eyes get when I'm zoned out and I'm saying yes, but I'm not listening to. So she immediately says, what did I just say? What did I just say? <laughs> uh, wait a minute. I got to go check something in the kitchen, you know. Um, so, um, so I've always been like that. Just, and just to give you a brief example of how zoned out I've been and forgetful my whole life. Uh, my mother to this day doesn't let me live it down. When I was in first grade, uh, she woke me up and told me to get ready for school. And I, I, you know, I got up and I did everything like I normally did really fast. And she was on my case. Be quick. Hurry up. We got to go. We got to go. And I go and stand in front of the door. I'm like, Mom, I'm ready. Let's go. And she just stands there and looks at me. I'm like, mom, let's go, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. And she's like, no, you're not. I'm like, Mom, I'm ready to go. And she's like, do you realize what you've done? And I literally went like this, yes, I dressed and I'm ready to go. And she points out, your underwear is over your pants. <laughs> so that's, that's just how zoned out my whole life, this is, I mean, I, I do things like this all the time. I've literally told people on the phone, wait a minute, I can't find my cell phone. Like, I've literally done that. Um, so, but, but in more serious matters, these, the, you know, in the spiritual life, we are forgetful, um, and, and it's costly, I think, sometimes, because, you know, you look at the news, in the last few weeks, I've seen, we've all seen it, or a lot of us have seen it, prominent worship leaders or prominent uh, pastors that have walked away from the faith. It's impacted all of us, you know? Um, You know, I remember a few months ago, or no, it was probably a year ago, finding out that uh, a worship leader that I really liked had basically become an atheist, a militant atheist. It just shook me to the ground. Um, And it just... I always think when this happens, like, did they forget? There was a moment where they saw the power of God, where they saw the truthfulness of God, where they felt it. But they've forgotten. And we we have to protect ourselves from this propensity. By the power of the Holy Spirit, don't get me wrong. It's not in your own efforts that you can do this. But we need to remind ourselves... I have this reminder story in my back pocket that I keep with me at all times. When I was somewhere between the 8th and 10th grade, I was going through a crisis where I felt I could not go to anyone else, not my dad, not my mom. Back then, I was Catholic, so not to my priest. I couldn't go to anyone to seek help, guidance through this for this thing that I was going through. And I had this moment. I, what came to my mind was that Jesus said that I could move mountains with just what, just a little bit of faith, a, 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 just a grain of faith. And I remember I, t- I, I sat in my room and I said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to do something crazy here. I'm going to the park in my, uh, in, in, next to my house today at 5 p.m., and you're going to meet me there and give me the answer to this problem because no one else can give it to me. I wasn't demanding that Jesus do that. It, it wasn't like I was saying, yeah, this is what you're going to do, bro. No, it wasn't that. It was, I was claiming it, with faith a promise that Jesus had given me. Okay? And I'm not saying that this always happens the way it happened, but. It's, it's a reminder in my back pocket that, that always protects me from taking the power of God and his goodness in my life for granted. And so I said, I'm going to meet you today at the park at 5 p.m. And so I walked to the park. I sat in a bench. It was a pretty empty park. Some of you have heard the story, by the way, but I just don't get tired of it because it feeds me. It's a reminder. It's a memorial of God's work in my life. I sat in that bench. I waited. I looked at uh, at the sky. I was looking to see if the birds flew in a certain pattern. What's God going to do to communicate to me? And I sat there waiting. God, I'm not leaving. It's been a while. I, you haven't showed up yet. You're going to give me the answer. You're going to meet with me and tell me because I'm, I'm I'm in a crisis right now. I'm in a crisis. I need you. And so I sat there and I sat there and, uh, and two ladies that were... Uh, They were just doing laps around the park. If you do about four laps, you do a mile, basically. So they were doing their thing. And then at one point, I'm sitting there on the bench bench by myself, head down, just thinking. And she's walking by me, and she stops. And she says, excuse me, um, I just have to tell you this. God told me to tell you this. That problem that you have, he wants me to tell you, you have to leave it in his hands and trust. Now, here's the thing. God didn't give me the solution to my problem. He told me, I'm there with you. He told me, I've heard you. I'm encountering you. And guess what? You're not alone. I, you know, tears burst out. And it's one of the most life-changing moments that I've experienced in my life to this day. Because I knew that that grain of faith. That moment, Jesus had, you know, I had moved a mountain. Not me. God had moved a mountain because of that step of faith. He met me, and he didn't give me the solution to my problem. He just let me know, I'm there with you. Trust me. I got you. Turns out that problem wasn't solved till many years later. But he showed up, and he told me, I am there with you. And I keep that as a reminder for whenever I take things for granted, whenever i might something might happen in my life that i count as a blessing maybe later on i'm like you know what that maybe that wasn't god that was just a coincidence you know maybe that wasn't just an answered prayer maybe that was just whatever it was. And I keep that to remind me I've seen God move. God has moved me to tears in the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that I knew he encountered me. The God that created the universe took time to speak directly to me because he loves me and he knows me by name. That's the God we serve. And we need to remind ourselves of this. The Israelites would forget all the time. Like, talk about seeing God at work and just forgetting. Like, they would see God like pillars, you know, like fire, moving water, allowing the Israelites to go, you know, on dry land. Constantly, they would see God do miraculous things. And then they could complain and say, you brought us out into the desert to die. Like, what the heck? They would forget the miraculous power, provision, salvation, redemption of God consistently, even though they saw it all the time. That's why reminders matter. Just look in Psalm 106. Go to Psalm 106. We're gonna gonna read a little bit today. I'm sorry for that, but we just need to see how this reminding ourselves works, okay? Because we forget. We're like forgetful Jones. We forget what God does. In verse 6, I'm going to read verses 6 through 22 in Psalm 106, okay? It says in Psalm 106, verse 6, Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry, and he led them through the deep as through a desert. That's how dry it was. (laughs) So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. And the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. Awesome. But they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. But they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but sent a wasting disease among them. Why men? When, excuse me, when men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the holy one of the Lord, the earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the, comp, the company of Eberim. Fire also broke out in their company. The flame burned the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb. like they, They're seeing God act when they mess up, right? And yet, this is what they do. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. They forget. That psalm goes on, by the way. I'm just stopping there, but it shows you over and over again, and there's numerous examples in the Bible of people that just forget. Like, God just did this amazing thing, and then they're like, what the heck, bro? Like, you're gonna... Leave me here to starve to death. They forget. And so a few years ago uh, at a church that I used to go to uh, at the Grove, I think it was Pastor Tom Lance back then. I'm not sure if it was him or someone else there. Th- they taught me through a sermon the importance of having memorial stones in my life because of this forgetfulness that we have. And so our main scripture today is between Josh, Joshua, excuse me, chapters 3 and four, where we learn that God tells us that we should have memorial stones not just to remind ourselves of when God acts with power, but to remind those that come after us. Because we forget. (laughs) We just forget. We take it for granted. After a while, we forget the impact, the power that we presenced. See, in, in, in Joshua, in the book of Joshua, Joshua has now taken over the role of Moses and they're going into the promised land, right? They've, you know, they've been in the desert that that we were alluded to earlier after coming out of Egypt and now they're headed to the promised land and they're going to cross the Jordan into the promised land. And guess what? In a very poetic way, God is going to do the same thing again. He's going to clear the water so that they can walk through as if He's just trying to say, since you forget I did this, let me do it again. (laughs) Let me do this again because you seem to forget that I I stop water and allow you to walk through. I do the impossible. Let me remind you of this. So in Joshua chapter 3, picking up, we're going to pick up from verse 9 and then move on to the first seven verses of chapter 4. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, again this is Joshua 3, chapter 3, verse 9. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you. Listen to that. Here is how you will know. You shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and their feet, and the feet, excuse me, of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zerethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Araba. The Salt Sea were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Continues into chapter 4. We're almost done. Seven more verses. Promise. <laughs> When all the nation, in chapter 4, verse 1, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, and by the way, let me pause here for a second. He could have just done that, and that's it. Just cross. Awesome. But no, God is saying, you're going to forget. So you better remind yourself of this. You just walked through dry land where there was no dry land. You stopped the waters by putting your foot in the water. You know, often, by the way, this is just a small parenthesis, we feel, we just touch the water of problems, and we feel like the water is up here. And I'm not downplaying the, the size of the problems. It, it does feel that way. But you've got to understand, to God, what God sees in his power, it's just at your ankles, bro. That's the God you serve. He's about to clear it all out. He's about to stop the water so that you can walk through. Don't forget the God that you serve. So he could have just stopped there. But no, he does something important. The Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe of man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. And so from that moment where they stepped into the problem, <laughs> from there, And bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodged tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. This is no trivial thing, okay? When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And that's why I have a prayer journal with that encounter in the park written. I wrote it. I mean... There was no need to place the stones, just like there's no need to write it. Or is there? I have to write in that prayer journal that's on my iPad the tears that came out, how I ran home afterwards with tears still streaming down my eyes because God had moved a mountain. And he had spoken to me like he always spoke through his word, but now he had spoken to my problem and said, I'm with you. There was a memorial stone in my life, and I'm never letting go of that memorial stone. What we're going to see, though, is that that memorial stone later on, when we look back to it, will give us the faith necessary to see God work again. See, point number one have a list of the memorial stone moments in your life. If you don't have it, write it down. I mean, studies in psychology and in science in general show why it is that we take notes. You know, and there's more advantageous ways of taking notes. There's more creative ways. But there's something about taking notes that impresses it upon the brain. You need to have a list of your memorial stone moments in your life. Psalm 9-1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Recount those to you. You have to preach to you. (laughs) You have to preach to yourself because we have this propensity to forget. See, the first memorial stone that should be on your list, I'll I'll get you started on the first one because we all have different ones. (laughs) But the first memorial stone that you should have there is either the moment Or the phase in life that you were in when you were saved. Now, I say the phase because for some people, they remember the pinpoint moment where they were saved. Like it was like, it was at this moment, and they felt chills, and like they had physiological uh, effects in them. For me, it wasn't that way. It was a phase of my life, it took a while, it took conversations with a pastor. It took a while. I don't know how to pinpoint exactly where it happened, the exact moment where I was saved, but I know how to pinpoint the phase of life I was in and the emotions that I felt. And you know what? At that moment, I felt that God was truthfully, at that moment, speaking to me and that everything in life prior made sense in the context of what he was speaking to me. See, if you've been saved for 20 years... 30 years, maybe five years, maybe two years. We just kind of forget those things. How real that moment is or that phase is when you come to faith in Jesus. The first memorial stone on your list should be that because everything else stems from the salvation that he's imparted to you. A salvation we didn't deserve and that he gave to us just because he loves us Colossians chapter 2 says in verses 13 through 14, and you, speaking to us, right? You who were dead in your trespasses. We need that reminder. You were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him. He resurrected you spiritually. <laughs> Having forgiven us all our trespasses. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say the, the, the kind of mild ones. Having forgiven us all. All, all our trespasses. This is, you know, Paul writing. And when he writes, he's, he's a logical dude. And he knows how to use these words. He knows that all means all. <laughs> okay, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Your first memorial stone is the cross. With all your sins nailed to it. Right? All of them. I have to go back sometimes and remind myself of things I'm ashamed of that I did. But I rejoice in it because it's nailed to the cross. It's nailed. It's done. Gone. That's the first memorial stone that you should have. And so whenever you came face to face in your life, whether it was a pinpoint moment or a phase, whenever you came face to face with that cross, there was something special. Hold on to that. Don't let it go. You know, I can tell you a few things that probably all or most of us experience when we come to that encounter, whether little by little or at a moment. You're sweetly broken. You repent. You realize how desperate you are in need of salvation and forgiveness because you know how bad you don't or how insufficient you are in comparison to the holiness of God. You probably surrendered once you realized that. Don't let go of that. Don't forget that. Don't trivialize it. Write it down. Right? You you were sweetly broken because you realized your insufficiency next to God, and you surrendered, and you said, I can't measure up to you, God. Thank you. And you devoted yourself to him. You said, I may not be perfect, but I'm going to follow you the rest of my days. You say, go and... and and walk on water. I'm going to walk on water. You say, clear the water. I will clear the water through your power. You felt it at that moment. You were willing to abandon everything just to follow him. (laughs) Don't let go of that. Go back. Live it. Live it again. You felt God was so active and real in your life, and yet sometimes we just forget. That moment of impact where God, like we know, it's not just like, oh, this kind of feels like it's supernatural. No, you know God is speaking and acting and working in your life. There's a moment. Don't forget it. That's your first memorial stone. Now the rest of your memorial stones are going to look different depending on what you've been through. Healings that have been experienced even at this church here that some of you have talked about. And it might not be physical healings. A lot of times it's spiritual healings. Breaking the chains of addiction. No longer relying on your self-perceived identity in society or the value that society gives you, but rather the value that God gives you. Being free. There are so many memorial stone moments in your life. But here's the thing about the memorial stone moments. Don't make it about the stone don't make it about that event that happened. The stone points you back to God, to experience God, because that's truthfully the most amazing part. See, when God spoke to me at that park, he didn't give me an answer. But I was so happy because God spoke to me. and He said, I'm with you. That was it. Like I had experienced God, and I didn't need to know how it was going to be solved. I knew he was with me. I had experienced God. That was it. The memorial stone moments are about experiencing God, not just the stone. The stone stone is a pointer towards God. See, in Psalm 34, the psalmist says in verses 4 through 8, I sought the Lord and he answered me. See, he's recounting. This is his memorial stone. He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. But look at how the focus turns to God. Those who look to Him are radiant. See, the experience is that of looking face to face at God is spiritually, right? And their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and deliver, and delivers them, excuse me. And here it is: Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The whole point of the stone is to remind yourself of the taste. You know the Lord is good. You lived it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Remind yourself of that taste. You ever, like, pick up a scent of something and then immediately you, like, you get the taste of it in your mouth? Your mouth kind of waters? Like, it happens to me when I walk by gourmet pizza shop. Here in Redlands, I get that scent, and it's like, ah, oh, it just like I can feel the grease of the pepperoni in my tongue at that moment. <laughs> it's that vivid. <laughs> See, memorial stones. Here's here's the important part, by the way. Going back to what we've seen in society, because we've seen people that have lived. The power, seen the power of God, and then they walk away. The important thing is that we have those memorial stones ready when things don't go okay, and they won't. There will be storms, severe storms. There will be sickness. There will be death. It's it's a sad part of the in-waiting reality that we live, but we're waiting. Story isn't over. It's going to be all undone. Memorial stones remind me to trust God's promises when life falls apart. That's why you have memorial stones. Because if you forget when life falls apart, then what are you relying on? I mean, this is what happened to the Israelites. They would see the amazing words of God, yay, and they'd worship God. That's awesome. And then they move on to the next thing. I'm hungry. I'm tired of eating manna. I want to eat, like other stuff. (laughs) And they, you know, they would forget because, well, the sun is really hot and I feel like I'm lost here. They forget everything that Jesus did, like moved the waters out of the way, walked them through, brought their adversaries down with the water. Now it's like, it's kind of hot, man. Yeah, I'm kind of hungry. And they forget. When the storm, when life gets hard, we forget So hold on to that memorial stone when life falls apart, and it will. See, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 5, is is a promise that I can now trust. I can trust in it when I'm in the middle of affliction because I have my memorial stones. Our faith isn't blind, Our faith is a power-based faith. You've witnessed the power of God. Okay? This isn't a, like, placebo God. You've seen it happen. That's why you have your memorial stones. And when you go through that affliction, you know you can trust the promises of God because you've seen him move. You will see him move, do it again. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 5 says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. When the sufferings come, remember, suffering isn't forever. That's not on the notes, but I added it last minute here. (laughs) When the suffering comes, remember, suffering isn't forever. Christ will comfort you in the midst of suffering. You share in Christ with sufferings because, see, that's the, that's, that's the catch, right? We follow Christ. That means we follow him through all of it. He suffered, so we're going to suffer. But it's worth it because we shall share in his comfort too. Suffering isn't forever in Christ. It will all be undone. That's a promise. How do I know I can trust it? Because I have my memorial stones. I have seen him move. So suffering isn't forever. Here's what's crazy, just like it was for Christ, for me it's true, suffering has purpose. James 1 verses 2 and 4. I'm not downplaying, by the way, the fact that suffering is awful. Death of lost ones is horrendous. But James 1 verses 2 through 4 reminds me, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He's molding us. When suffering comes, remember, not only is it not forever, not only will you be comforted, but it has a purpose. Something is happening through it. There's a purpose to it. And here's the thing. The best representation of this is Jesus. The best representation of this is Jesus. I don't know if, I can't remember if this passage is on the screen. But as the band comes up, this last passage, I want you to to take with you Hebrews 12.2. It says that we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. See, in that passage, we see that Jesus looked ahead. Suffering is it forever. For the joy set before Jesus, I shall. he looks ahead, and now he's seated at the, throne, or, 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 at the right hand of the throne of God. Suffering has purpose. He, what was the purpose of Jesus' suffering? To redeem you, to save you. That was the purpose of his suffering. I don't know the purpose of my suffering. I don't. But I trust in him because I have memorial stones in my back pocket. I remember what God has done for me. And look, maybe, maybe you're new to all this Jesus lingo, <laughs> Maybe you haven't experienced a memorial stone moment. The most important memorial stone, therefore, is right in front of you. Look at the cross. Realize that you are, you're, you're never going to measure up to God. Sweetly broken and repenting before God, realizing you're holy. I can't even get close. I can't even. Like, you can't. You can't, and at that moment, you turn and you just surrender your life devoted to follow Jesus, to carry your cross with him through suffering, because he says, yes, you shall share in my suffering, but you shall share in my comfort. You know what? You'll also share in his reign, in his glory, right? You're going to share in his glory you're going to be seated in the heavenly realms ephesians says you are already seated in the heavenly realms come on like god has purpose and the memorial stones remind me that he's doing stuff it's not over so when that crisis of faith comes speak to it from the past i will recount the deeds of god i will recount how he saved me from darkness I will recount how he saved me, though I didn't deserve it. I will recount that he has He has broken the chains of addiction, of slavery. He has brought freedom where there was no freedom. Recount the deeds. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we so easily forget. We forget that you are... A rock, that you are a shield, that you are a strong tower. We forget that you are a savior, that you make all things new. We forget all the good things, how you've embraced us. Just like Tim said, the prodigal son, that you, you receive us with arms open, you run towards us with our filth you come in your majestic holy robes towards us and we're just full of filth and you embrace us. May we remember that you've embraced us, that you've saved us and all of the moments that we've seen you speak to us, that we've felt you there in the midst of the problem with us so that we will not forget when our faith is, is, is under pressure when we don't see or hear you we remind ourselves that yes you are there we go to your word and see it in your promises and that you will comfort us as well father preserve us we know that it's you that preserves us in our faith may your holy spirit preserve us when the crisis of faith comes may we look to recount your deeds And I pray, Father, at this moment that if anyone has never surrendered sweetly broken over to you at this moment, I just give five seconds right now or ten seconds, moment of silence, that if anyone is doing that, that they would pray that for the first time and say, Father, I'm a sinner. I can't measure up. I surrender to you. You've taken it upon the cross in Jesus Christ. I give my life to follow you. May that be the first memorial stone of many others. We pray all of this in your name and we pray also for the tithes and offerings as the ushers come forth. May giving be an opportunity for worship. May we worship you through our trust, surrendering to you. It's not a matter of Religious duty, we give because we trust. We give because we worship, because we declare you're the provider, not us. And we give to bless others, the community of Redlands, through your gospel. Multiply these tithes and offerings. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.